Yeah. All right. Hi, Miss Nancy. Take your Bibles and go with me to James chapter number two this morning. James chapter number two. Thank you for being in Sunday school. And we're looking forward to a good time this morning. And these couple of verses are verses that I think we're very familiar with in James chapter number two. But a lot of times we hear things, we really don't understand the full ramification of certain verses. And we hear them many times. And these are a couple of those verses. So if you have your Bible there, James chapter number two. And I've entitled the lesson in Sunday school this morning, An Authentic Execution. Now, we're not talking about executing somebody, all right? We're talking about carrying something out, fulfilling something this morning. And uh, this series is based out of this small book in the New Testament, book of James. And it's a, it's a, it's a series that the Lord just kind of put on my heart because I think, and I hope you agree, that what this world needs is some real Christians. How many of you would agree with that? Uh, they need to see that there is something, and, and listen, I understood this a long time ago, there is something distinctly different about God's people than the people that are living in this world. And we understand it's not about us, it's about our God. It's about the difference God makes in our lives. We know this, that, that God changes us from the inside out and so what we need to be is authentic, genuine, because look, how many of you, let's just, let's just ask this this morning, how many of you somewhere in your past struggled, whether it was before you got saved or after you got saved, because you knew somebody who said they were a Christian, but they were living a hypocritical life? How many of you said, Pastor, I've had some people like that in my life? And a lot of times that's what hinders people. Now, here's what I learned is, is that Instead of looking, keeping my eyes on people, I've learned to keep my eyes on the Lord. Because you know what's going to happen? People are always going to let you down. The truth is, I hope it doesn't happen, but there will probably be some times I, as your pastor, may let you down. But I know the Lord will never let us down. And so we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And so as we understand uh, more and more about our Lord and Savior, look what the Bible says here in James chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 8. And notice the first word. What is the first word in verse 8? If. Now look, that's one of those conditional words, right? See, there's many conditions in the Word of God. Now watch what he says. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the what? To the Scripture. So we're talking about the Bible. And notice, here it is. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself... He says, if you fulfill that, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of what? He's guilty of all. So look, the Bible is clear here that it's talking about this matter of what, and we'll see it in the lesson today, the royal law. What exactly is, is James writing about? Is God trying to convey that you and I need to execute in our lives? We need to fulfill in our lives. James is writing to uh, individuals, and of course, God's preserved in his word. And we need to understand that as he was writing, the residents that lived in the city of Jerusalem during the first century, which is when this was written, those residents were well aware 
of the Jewish community and the laws and the restrictions that they had in their community. Just like many of us, we, uh, well, we should, as citizens, understand the laws and restrictions of our day in the land. And look, we may not, chances are we don't agree with, with all of them, but yet we should know those. And the, the residents understood the laws, the Jewish laws and customs and restrictions. James, as he is in this text today, introducing us to this matter of the royal law. And this royal law was written and given to the followers of Christ. And as James was pastoring these individuals here in Jerusalem, many people were being saved. Now, that's a great thing when people are coming to Christ. And so as people were being saved, God allowed James to write these words. And, and he was really instructing that as these people were being saved, he's trying to help them understand how these new believers, these new converts, should live the Christian life. Uh, you know that's one of the responsibilities of the church, is from the Bible to instruct, teach, and, and mentor people how they should live the Christian life. Because after all, before somebody gets saved, they're living according to this world, right? And if there's been a change in our hearts, and God's given us a new life in Christ, then certainly, look here, the old things should be passed away and all things should become new. So James is writing here, giving instructions on how these new believers should live their lives. And he gives here a standard. Now, this standard that James gives, again, remember, this is God's word. So James introduces this standard that really overrides all the, the, the earthly behavior that we have in our lives before we come to know Christ. And, he, and God, God actually categorizes it as the royal law, all right? And I realize we have a little royalty with us this morning, the queen over here, you know, and so on. But this is the royal law that we're looking at today. And, and so what is he saying? What is the royal law? Now, look at this. It is the law of love. That's what it is. Look at the verse again. He says, if you fulfill the royal law, well, what is it? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he says, if you do this, you do well. So he gives this royal law. Now, let me ask you a question and see if you're awake this morning in Sunday school. Who gave this royal law? Was it some king of some nation? No, it was the king of kings, right? God gave this royal law. This matter of loving one another, loving your neighbor, treating others. How about this? The way Jesus treated you. You think about how the, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How about this one? He loved you before you ever loved him. Right? He loved us first. So when we think about this matter of love, the royal law, listen... It is Christ in you and Christ in me. He is the hope of glory, the Word of God says. So what, is, what does James say here? He says, if you fulfill this royal law, you do well. Now, the word fulfill, again, means execute or to meet or to comply or, here's a good word, satisfy. Now, remember, God's giving this royal law to us, and we need to respond to people and, and, and deal with people the way that Jesus would deal with us. 
We need to love others as Jesus has loved us. We need to be patient with them the way he has been patient with us. We need to uh, be loving and forgiving towards others as he has been loving and forgiving towards us. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So there's our example. So how can we live in obedience to this royal law? That's what James was trying to help these people that were being saved in the first century to help them understand this is what the Lord has given to us. God wants us to live according to this royal law, this matter of loving our neighbor as ourselves. So how do we do that? Well, we must be aided by God. Sometimes, look, folks, I understand. And here's the greatest example that I can find because it's in the Bible. Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, I love to study the writings of Paul, and here's why. Because if there was ever a person that hated people, it was the Apostle Paul who was known as Saul of Tarsus. And then I read, like in the book of Philippians and other books, that God allowed Paul to pen those words that God gave to him. He is writing to his dearly beloved. He calls them his crown and joy. How is it that a person can go from hating people to loving people? I'll tell you how. Because God's done a work in his heart. You know, it's... It, so when, when God does things in our lives and it comes out in our lives, I realize when that happens in my life that it's, it's not something that I would have ever done had it not been for the Lord doing that through me. Uh, I, I've been blessed over the years. Um, I have three sisters. I got to see my sisters while I was back in, in the state of Missouri last week, and, and I spent some time with them uh, as we celebrated my dad's birthday. And and um, my sisters and I, we, we got along pretty well as siblings growing up, but, you know, I was the only boy and the youngest. So you can imagine, you know, I was spoiled. I got everything I wanted. I heard everything from my sisters. The best day of my life was when I realized I was bigger than my sisters and they could no longer beat up on me. That's, that was the best day of my life. But I was with my sisters and I, was, I actually told my sisters how much I loved them and appreciated them. And after I said that, I remember thinking, I don't know if I would have ever said that if it wouldn't have been for what God's been doing in my heart. And it, was, it wasn't one of those premeditated things. It, it, matter of fact, when I said it, it was almost like, where did that come from? And then I was getting ready to say goodbye to them, and my, I looked down the hall, and uh, there were my three brother-in-law standing there, and, and God's been good to all my sisters. They the man that they met and they married, they've been married to all these years. And, and they've been very blessed in that, in that regard. And I saw my three brother-in-law standing there, Paul, Denny, and Joe. They were all standing there. And <clears throat> I walked up to them. And again, I never even thought about this, but I walked up to them. And we've laughed and we've enjoyed each other's company over the years. But I walked up to them and I said to them, I said, listen, I've never said this to you. But I want you to know that I appreciate each one of you. You mean a lot to me. And I just want you to know how very thankful I am that you're my brother-in-law. And I walked away. And again, I was, it was just like, where did that come from? 
I have never thought about saying anything like that to my brother-in-laws, you know. Not that I had a problem with them, but, but I just thought, I'm glad God's working in my heart and he's showing me this royal law that he wants me to love other people the way Jesus loves me, you know. And it makes such a difference in our lives. Look, we cannot truly be a Christian, a child of God, without the Holy Spirit of God. We understand that when we get saved, that at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. He takes up residence in our lives. And the Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 9, Ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So it's a great thought this morning. Look folks, as we get saved and the Holy Spirit becomes a part of our lives, there ought to be something definitely different about us. And so when James picks up the pen here, and we call it James chapter number two, we understand that God gave these verses here. And James writes, <clears throat> if I could paraphrase, we are not to live like we once lived. We are living now with the royal law. You know why? Because we're a child of the king. And because we are his children, guess what the subjects do in regards to the king? They obey the king. They do what the king asked them to do. So the Lord despises in our lives when we, and he writes that here in these couple of verses, God despises when we have partiality in our hearts. Now, there should never be favoritism. Uh, I, we, God gave us four children and I'll tell you, one of the challenges of being a parent is to make sure that you're not treating, having one child more preferential than your other children, you know? God despises that. Look what it says back, all the way back in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 15. Look at these verses. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor." Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt not in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So look, folks, that's Leviticus. I, I hope by now you know where Leviticus is placed in your Bible. And that was way back in the Old Testament. So when James writes about this royal law, guess what? He's not writing about anything new. God, all the way back in Leviticus, God said, I want you to learn to love other people the way I, as your Lord, as Jehovah, has loved you. And we need to understand this. It's so important. It's a clear command of God. Look at Luke 10, 27, how Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Notice these words with how much of your heart? All your heart. How much of your soul? How much of your strength? How much of your mind? And look at this. Look at the end of it. And thy neighbor as thyself. What Jesus was doing was just reiterating what God had already given many, many years before. And guess what he calls it here in James chapter number two, the royal law. 
the royal law. What is the royal law? To love thy neighbor as thyself. So, you know, there's a couple things about this royal law that I want you to see this morning. Write it down. Number one, the royal law interrupts the natural life. <clears throat> it's not natural. Look, that was not natural for me to walk up to my brother-in-laws and say what I said, right? It's not natural to love someone that maybe you don't even really know. And so, look what it says here in verse number one. My brethren, in chapter two, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Look, if we're going to be, truly be a Christian, James begins this chapter by saying that you cannot be a respecter of persons. You've got to treat people uh, fairly, evenly. You can't treat them according to their importance or to their rank or to their status. We need to treat everybody the same. Look, how many of you would agree with this? When you study the life of Jesus, it didn't matter if he was standing before a king or a pauper or a woman at the well. He treated every one of them the same, did he not? And that's the way we need to be. We shouldn't think about uh, who it is that we're standing before. We should just be the same to every person, and he says that we should not be a respecter of persons, and that's why the royal law interrupts the natural life. <clears throat> Look, there's to be no partiality, no favoritism. Look at Romans 1.16. Paul writes here, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. Now look at the words here, to everyone. Sorry, Mr. Calvinist. But the gospel is for everyone, and notice it says, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and then also to who? The to the Greek. Now, look, folks, there might be somebody here this morning sitting in this auditorium that might be a Jew or maybe of Jewish descent, but by and large, most of us are not Jewish people. But aren't you glad the gospel is not just for the Jew? It's for everyone that believes, right? So again, look at this. How about, how about the verse, for God so loved what? The world. Is God a respecter of persons? No, God loves everyone, right? Aren't you glad for that? You know, I'm, look, I'm glad, uh, be honest, I, I, I would never want to see any ill will or evil come upon anyone, but because of the unbelief of the Jews, the Bible says the gospel, the good news, went forth to the Gentile nations. Guess what we are? We're Gentiles. According to the New Testament, they use the word dogs, you know, that's why my name is Dane, all right? And so understand this morning that we, we understand that the royal law, this matter of loving others, you know what it does? It interrupts our natural life. It's not natural for us just to love other people, you know? Some people are easier to love than others. But yet the Bible says we are to love. We're breaking God's heart when we don't fulfill this royal law, when we don't love people the way God loves us. God's been kind to us. How many of you would say God's been loving to you? You know? So look here, even as God for Christ's sake, if he's loved us, if he's forgiven us, we have a responsibility to be kind and loving to other people. So the royal law, this matter of loving others, it's an interruption of the natural life. We need to see things. And here's the best thing I can say. I, you know, uh, I, I was looking yesterday, my daughter was telling me, my pastor uh, that, I got, that I was saved under, he's probably 
in his 70s now, I guess. I don't think he's 80. Maybe he is close to 80 years of age now. And he's a great man, and I've known him for years. But, but he reminds me of my father <clears throat> because he, he, all his life, he's been colorblind. My dad went into the, the Air Force, and my dad, some of you guys may remember this, my dad was standing in the line where, you know, they, you go through the line and they send you to get your hair cut and the, the dentist and all this type of stuff. And, and they send you through all these, these certain tests. And my dad was standing there and he was starting to get nervous because there was a test for the eyes and you had to tell him what color the things were. And my dad was standing in line and, and my, dad's, my dad was, he, he was pretty smart because he was standing there and he just kept hearing the, the guy would say, what color is that? What color is that? What color is that? And my dad heard the guy say, red, yellow, blue. And then the next guy walk up, what color is that? What color is that? Red, yellow, blue. What color is that? Red, yellow, blue. He heard it so many times. By the time they got up there, he said, what color is that? Red, yellow, blue. And they, they passed him on through. My, my daughter showed me this little video clip of my pastor who's been colorblind all his life. And they, I don't even remember what they're called. But they've got these glasses now. Some of you, if you're colorblind, maybe you want to check into these. But they've got these glasses now. My daughter said they cost like $150. But if you put them on, they, they set my pastor down in a chair in his front yard. He's never seen color in his life. And they put a pair of these glasses on him. And you should have just heard the comments. His daughter's a redhead. And he looked over at his daughter and went, Tina, you're a redhead. You know, and he just kept making comments about how his wife's hair looked and he saw his daughter's freckles on her face. And, you know, and it, it, he began to see things. Look, it, wouldn't it be awesome if we could put a pair of glasses on and see things the way Jesus sees them? To see people the way Jesus sees people. Remember, even his own disciples, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria and his disciples wanted nothing to do with Samaria. You know why? Because they looked down on people in Samaria. But remember, Jesus was not a respecter of persons. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. Aren't you glad that he must, years ago, he must needs stop at your life so that you can know him as your Savior? So, you know, the royal law, this matter of loving other people. Listen, I'm just being perfectly transparent with you this morning. It totally interrupts my natural life. It's not natural for me to love other people. But I've learned to love other people. You know why? Because he, he loves me. Look at the second thing about this royal law is it, the royal law integrates us into the lives of other Christians. It integrates us into the lives of other Christians. Look at verse number 2 of chapter 2. The Bible says, If there come unto you your assembly, a man with a gold ring or in goodly apparel. And there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Now you and I know what it's like. If somebody comes in and, they, boy, they've got some fancy clothes on, then boy, everybody wants to get to know them. Everybody, hey, why don't you sit here by me? But if somebody comes in and they're kind of shabbily dressed, how about this? Maybe they're homeless. I see a lot of times people, that they don't want nothing to do with them. They don't want to go anywhere near them. Folks, the first thought on our mind is, 
Jesus loves them and he gave himself for them. But see, what happens is the royal law, it, it provides the, the ground to be level for all of God's children. It brings us together as Christians. Look in verse number five. The Bible says, look at the first word, hearken or listen, my dearly beloved brethren. Have not God chosen the poor of this world? Look at the phrase, rich in faith. You notice, poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. So James is saying here in verse number five, these people, they might be poor when it comes to the world standards, but they're rich in faith. Have you ever been blessed by somebody that might be poor, but they're rich in faith? I've had people in my life that, that have tremendously blessed me, and it wasn't because they had a bunch of money in the bank. It was because they had such a walk with God, because they helped me in my life as a Christian. And, and this royal law integrates us into the lives of other Christians. It, it brings us into the lives of others. It shows us the, the level ground at the cross. And I love the phrase here that they're heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him. Again, this royal law, what does it do? It breaks down the earthly barriers, you know, well, he's rich, he's poor. The royal law breaks that down. It helps us to find common ground. Look, folks, I don't know how much money you have in the bank. I don't know what kind of car you drove this morning, but I can tell you this, just by you being here today, I know this, that we have one thing in common, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one thing that brings us together. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name. When they come to worship me, he's promised to be there with us. And our mutual love for the Lord is what brings us together. You know, we might not be raised in the same place or maybe even in the same country. We might not maybe even speak the same language. But guess what we all have? We all have the same love for the Lord. And that's one thing that we can all be glad that we do have because the royal law, what it does is it integrates us. It, it brings this matter of the, the, the ground being level at the cross. Jesus didn't die for the elite. And can, look here, can I just be this bold to tell you this morning? Jesus didn't just die for Baptists. He died for everyone. And so understand this morning that the royal law, it interrupts our natural life, it integrates, it brings us together as believers in Christ. But notice thirdly, the royal law identifies us with the Lord. It identifies all true fellowship with Christians. You know what it does? It grows out of the fellowship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. This royal law identifies us with the Lord. Look in your Bible there, look at verse number 6, James chapter 2. It says, but ye have despised the poor, do not rich men oppose you, uh, oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? Notice the phrase there, that worthy name. He's talking about the name of Jesus, and it's, it's the name of Jesus, again, that brings us together. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, we love him. Why? Because he loved us first. He first loved us. And the goal that we should keep before us, look what it says in verse number eight. Here it is. That if ye have fulfilled the royal law according to the scriptures, 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. See, God says if, if we need to make sure that we are, we are loving others, and if, if we don't have the right thing in our heart towards other people, then you know what it is? Little bitty word, S-I-N. He uses the word transgression or transgressor of the law. Folks, look, when we don't love others, in God's eyes, that's a sin. We need to, we need to understand that, that, look, the Lord loved everybody. Look at verse number 10 here in chapter 2. Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that, that has said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So, so speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of what? The law of liberty. Now, if you go back to chapter 1 and verse number 25, this matter of the law of liberty, the reference there is, is talking about the Word of God. He says that we need to understand how very important it is what the Word of God says. We all, one day, will have a meeting, an inevitable meeting. You cannot avoid this meeting with God. Look what it says in Romans 14. So then every one of us shall give account of his spouse to God. Is that what the Bible says? Give an account of who? Himself. Every one of us is going to stand before the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. See, all of our sins, when Jesus died, do you understand this? Your sins and mine, because of when we are living, the cross was some 2,000 years ago. Every one of our sins were future when Jesus died on the cross, right? Would you agree with that? We weren't born yet. I don't think anybody was, Brother Gilbert wasn't born then. I don't, I don't believe he was. But, but, but think about this now, that Jesus died for our sins that were yet future. I love what Horatio Spafford wrote, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Uh, that's something for us to always have in our hearts and our minds because of what the, 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 the transforming power of God in our lives, we are now under this royal law. We are to love people and treat people the way Christ loves us and the way Christ treats us. You see, look here, bottom line, what, what, what is God saying through James this morning? The standard is not me and the standard is not you. The standard is Jesus. We are to love people the way Jesus, you know, he was trying to help that ragtag group of disciples that he had before he went to the cross. And when he got in his life, and we know it as John chapter 13, look at these two verses. Here's what he says to them. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. <clears throat> the Bible also records in John 15, 17, these things I command you, that ye love one another. He commands us 
to love others the way he has loved us. You know, there was, in James's day, in the first century in the church, there were some powerful things going on. You know what it was? God was saving people. I pray that we see some people come to trust Christ today while they're here at our church. But there were some tremendous things going on, and these were people that needed to know, okay, now that you're saved, how should you live the Christian life? And James writes with pen in hand, as God instructed him, here's how you're supposed to live your life. You're supposed to live your life according to the royal law. Well, what is that royal law? To love others the way Jesus has loved us. You know, if we would practice this, this world would be a different place. If every Christian would learn to love everyone and not be a respecter of persons, people just might come to know Jesus better than they've ever known him before. God help us to be people that live according to the royal law. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the word of God, for the instruction. And as we saw this morning, it's a clear command. Help us to love. Lord, if there were a pair of glasses that we could put on, that we could see this world the way you see it, that would be a wonderful thing. But Lord, may, may our spiritual eyes through your word and by your Holy Spirit help us to learn to love everyone the way you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.